listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. How do you stay on fire for God? Amen. And that's why I wanted to do this broadcast today. We're crossed over into a new month. This is our first broadcast in a new month. Uh, today's what, February 2nd or 3rd? Uh, I don't know. 3rd. Thank you. That's... It's nice to know where we are. <laughs> um, how do we, how do we continue to stay on fire for God? And so we wanted to do this um, broadcast on three questions that you need to answer. Three questions you need to answer to stay on fire. And uh, that's why I had Pastor Brian here with me. We're going to kind of discuss these. I want you guys to mark them down and just understand what we're talking about. And of course, we'll give you scripture for all this as well. But it's almost like a checklist that you can use to ensure that you're going to stay on fire every day, every month, every year. That you'll not go, you know, you don't, you'll not be all diligent one year and, you know, doing everything God wants you to do in the next year. You've laid back, your church attendance drops. I mean, your giving drops. That's not God's plan for you. Dedication and diligence provoke the favor of God. Yeah. Dedication. You know, that's one of the things that makes me laugh. And I'm sure you could talk a little bit about this, but uh, there's so many people that they talk about the favor of God like it's some mystical thing. You know, my God, we're getting ready to step into a season of favors. Like, where'd that yeah. come from? Yeah. Did the spiritual weatherman just, you know, you know, you can see here in the north, we have a, a front moving in of a season <laughs> of favor. That's, it's like, how, what does that even mean? Yeah. Do, so that's a be, good question. Because here's the question I always ask. Are there seasons God doesn't want there to be favor? You, you see where I'm going with that? It's like, okay, if there's this uh, nebulous season of favor, that's just, um, mystical. It's like, we're getting ready to step right now into a season of favors. Like, what were we in before? <laughs> what, as believers, what were we in? I mean, wh- why do I have to step into a season of favor? Where, where were we if we weren't in a season of favor? <laughs> and so uh, it, it almost gets talked about yeah. like it's this thing that God just activates and we have to just find out when he's activating it and where it's activated. I don't believe like that. Yeah. And, I, and I know you don't either. Yeah. Um, dedication and diligence provoke the favor of God. Yeah. Put that in the comments if you're watching. Talk a little bit about that because it's, our, it's really our, our, our um, hunger and dedication for the kingdom. Well, he says, you know, in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, it says, those that believe, you know, uh, without faith it's impossible to please God. Those that believe, in other words, to qualify as a believer, yeah. you must believe that he is, he's what? He's the answer to everything. Right. He is it, the, the great I am. I, yes. I really believe that's a connection right back to where he told Moses, I am that yeah. I am. I'm everything that you need me to be that's in, good. in terms of salvation, saving from whatever it is. He, you must believe that he is mm-hmm. and you must uh, seek him diligently. You must believe that he's a rewarder mm-hmm. of them that diligently seek him. He's a rewarder. That's it. Yeah. And that's how you, in a nutshell, really, it's how you access the favor of God. Yeah. If you want to walk in the rewards of the, heaven. The if is, you got it. And we talked about that during this last week, how uh, anything that we do um, in correlation with scripture, 
It's not a book of promises. It's a book of covenants. Yeah, that's And good. one of the things that we've, great we pointed out was anytime you see an if, <clears throat> it's a qualifier. Yeah. And it means, and we just, we, and of course you, um, you, you, of course you understand also that like, for example, if someone promises you something, it's just based on the integrity of their word. Yeah. But if they make an ad- agreement or a covenant with you, it's based on both your words. Yes. Right? So if, if I coven, you've heard me use this uh, before. If I talk to Pastor Brian and I say, listen, um, I'm going to come to your house, cut your grass tomorrow at three. That's a promise. Yes. It means it's based on the integrity of my word. No matter what he does, if I'm good for my word, I'll be at his house at three to cut the grass. He has to do nothing because it was a promise. But if we make an agreement or a covenant and I say, if you'll pay me $20 tomorrow at three, I'll be at your house to cut your grass. Now we both have a part. His part is to pay the 20. My part's to show up and do the work. The word of God is a covenant. You have a part. God has a part. Yes. And that's why some, even through the old and new testaments, we see God saying, if you'll do this, I'll do this. Yes. I mean, all the way back to Deuteronomy 28, if you'll hearken diligently to the commands that I give you this day, then I will set you on high above all the nations of the earth. And then all those blessings, one through 14, are based upon that if. Yes. And that's the key. It's, it's not that difficult to move into the favor, the rewards of God. No. Because he set it up. And even if we are not prepared, mm-hmm. even if before this period of time we're not where, we have not been where we're supposed to be, mm-hmm. if we set our heart to, to perform those conditions, God will empower you to step it out, to walk it out. Uh, he is such a great God that will say, look, if you'll just set your heart to do the things that I've asked you to do, I'll help you get there. Yeah. I'll help you get there. But you have to give me that diligence. You have to be, you have to be dedicated to it. You, yeah. know, you have to be dedicated to the kingdom. To me, seek first the kingdom of God and the right things of God, his mm-hmm. righteousness. No question. Know? And then all these things will be added. And then all these Math- things. Yeah. <laughs> He's referencing Matthew 6, 33. where the Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Well, that's your part. That's my part. And then all these things will be added unto you. Who adds them? God does. Yes. He adds them. That's his part. But he's not adding them to everybody. He's adding them to those who seek his kingdom first and his righteousness. Yeah. And so it's an if-then agreement once again. Um, Andrew asks a really great question. Andrew Journey on Facebook, he said, Ted, I understand the season thing, but how do you explain Joseph's imprisonment and the times in life, <clears throat> excuse me, where we struggle? Well, those are two separate questions, so let me answer them separately. First of all, how do you explain Joseph's imprisonment? Well, first of all, <clears throat> it's my opinion, and that's because I'm not a, 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 a reformed a Baptist, that, I, that I, the reason it's my opinion, because I'm not a Reformed Baptist, I don't believe that every single thing that happens is initiated by God. I believe people have a free will. And so when I give you this answer, <clears throat> it's not going to be coming from the place of a Reformed Baptist or a Reformed Presbyterian uh, who believes that every single thing is sovereignly planned by God and under his control. Because if you ask them, that's how they would explain his imprisonment. Well, it was God's desire to put Joseph into prison. It was God's desire to, you know, they would go that direction. I'm not going that direction. 
my belief system is <clears throat> you can make choices that are either wise or also foolish. To call as a young man your father and all your older brothers in a room and say, I had a dream that all of you were bowing down in front of me and worshiping me and serving, especially in a Middle Eastern culture where respect was everything, it probably wasn't the wisest thing for Joseph to say to his older brothers and his father, I had a dream that you were all bowing down to me and worshiping me and I, probably not a, not a good thing. And it, what it did is in his brothers, it caused resentment in his brothers' hearts. And the reason that they took the actions that they did is because number one, they didn't appreciate his unwise revelation of his dreams, but also his father's favoritism in giving him the coat of many colors and seeming to favor him over the older brothers. Well, although he made some unwise decisions and caught some repercussions from it, the Bible says all things work together for good to those that love God and are called according to his purpose. I believe that Joseph was called according to God's purpose. You can see that in the fruit of his life. So even though his brothers basically uh, had a plan to murder him, and one brother spoke up, said, let's not do that. Let's throw him in this pit. They threw him in the pit. Then they sold him into slavery, all that. Uh, it, God still worked it all together for good. Would he still have been in that same position had he used wisdom? In, you don't tell people everything God tells you, number one. You'll find that out quickly. Do yes. not, the Bible says it this way, <laughs> don't cast your pearls before swine. Not everybody's qualified to hear the revelations God's given you in life. And it can actually breed contentment or resentment, not contentment. Maybe contentment in you, resentment in others. But maybe he made some unwise decisions that put him in a place where he shouldn't have been. However, God still worked all things together for good yep. on Joseph's behalf, used it to bless him and the nation. And look what God did at the end. Used Joseph to bless not only the nation, but his own family Yes, was able to come and be blessed by him. And the prophecy came true, by the way. Yeah. Um, now, to answer your second question, because, by the way, Joseph lived in an Old Testament covenant uh, that's not even close to anything that we have. Um, so notice this. Yes, absolutely, Nina. You can speak the truth and be persecuted for it. It's, uh, that's what happened to Jesus his entire life, the disciples, and that's why we have martyrs. You can speak the truth and be persecuted for it, um, even though it's the truth. On that, you know, when Jesus went to the wedding at Cana, he told his mom, he said, my time has Dead not... Hey, Amen. Man, I was about to say that. <laughs> Uh, he told his mom, my time has not yet come. In other words, he already had some truth. Sure. He already had some revelation, mm -hmm. but he was letting his mom know, I'm not supposed to release everything I got right now. Yeah. And that, that, go ahead. So Andrew's second part of his question is, how do you explain the times in life where we struggle? Well, remember this also, Andrew, that um, Joseph and every other Old Testament believer did not have a redeemer. They didn't have Jesus. They didn't have a blood covenant that actually removed their sins completely. They word. didn't have the Holy Ghost. They were not empowered to do the works of Christ. Christ didn't exist, and neither did the Holy Spirit indwell people. If he would have, they'd have blown up. Because, understand, their bodies had not been regenerated by redemption yet. That's why Jesus made the statement, you can't put new wine into old wine skins. If you were to try to put the Holy Ghost in his fullness of power into an unregenerated body that's not redeemed, 
it would destroy it. It's too much power for, for someone that's not a new creation. That's why first he has to make you a new creation that's not the same anymore. Then he can put the Holy Ghost in you. You're a new wineskin holding new wine. Um, and so to compare anyone who would compare our um, lives with those of the Old Testament in a negative sense, you'd have to understand that we're not even under the same covenant that they were. We have a, Hebrews chapter eight and verse six. We have a much better covenant established upon better promises. And so you'd also have to define, Andrew, what you mean by struggle. If you mean the things Jesus redeemed us from, you shouldn't be struggling with sickness, disease, depression, anxiety, uh, suicidal thoughts, poverty, lack. Those things are not for the believer today. And Christ uh, has, given, has given us uh, redemption from those things. And again, uh, Psalm 105, 19. The Bible tells us that, in, even in the New Testament, Andrew, that uh, count it all joy when you f fall into diverse temptations, that the testing of your faith works patience. Anything that comes to pass in your life, understand, um, anything that comes to pass in your life that tests your faith is a test of your character. God's going to see how you respond. You know, and that's why the Bible says he'll never put you through a temptation you cannot handle. Right. He'll never do that to you. He would never put you through something that would utterly destroy you because he loves you. But he will allow you to come through things. And once again, not the things Jesus redeemed you from, but things that are test of your faith and character. Um, now, if you're talking about persecution, Andrew, that's a whole nother story. Because Jesus prophesied there would be persecution for the believer. For those that stand for what's holy, for what Christ taught, uh, there is persecution. We see that still today. It's been happening for 2,000 years. And uh, that's, that's something that the Bible actually says that there's an extra blessing. We see these, and it's very sad to see, but we see these believers being killed and murdered overseas for their faith. But did you know the Bible teaches that there's an extra blessing, a special grace that yeah. comes on people who lay down their lives for the gospel's sake. Uh, something that a martyr would do. There's an extra blessing. And Jesus prophesied, you'll be hated all over the world for my name's sake. He said, they didn't even know you, but they hate you because they hated me first. And so understand that there's a big distinction between struggling with something Jesus shed his blood to destroy and struggling because maybe there's a persecution coming against you from an antichrist spirit or agenda. So don't ever let yourself fall into the trap of comparing your life to someone in the Old Testament and say, well, you know, Joseph went into a pit and I feel like I'm going to be in a pit here for a while. It's not the same. Do not compare Old Testament uh, people who are not redeemed to yourself who is redeemed. Andrew, you're redeemed and that means you have a better covenant today. Isn't that a verse that you looked at in the New Living yeah, and so I, I do look at that. It, he's putting in front of me here Psalm 1-3, which I've preached many, many times. Um, those that do not stand around with sinners join in with mockers, the Bible says they'll delight themselves in the law of the Lord. They'll be like trees planted by the riverbank, bearing fruit in every season. And so it's, you know, yeah, that's the other thing, Britt, and that's the point I was making. Um, disobedience to Andrew can cause people to struggle because as we're teaching in this point, number one, your dedication to the kingdom is what pulls the favor of God. But let me make a very important uh, distinction here. You know this, the Bible says God resists the proud. Yes. To reject God's word and not obey it is a sure sign of pride 
because it's you saying, I know better than God does for my life. And that's all it is. It's me saying I'm more intelligent in regards to guiding my life than God is pride. And when you live like that in disobedience to the word, he opposes the proud. That's a great comment. Yeah, when they when they get in pride, when somebody gets in pride, I've done this, I've done it. I think it, everybody's it done puts it. Me, it puts me in opposition to God. I am not going to win that fight. That's right. I am not going to win it. But then if we line up with him, it puts us in, in his grace. And remember what you quoted at the beginning, Hebrews eleven six. 6. Yeah. He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. You can't tell yeah. me that you're diligently seeking him if you're not obeying his word. That's baseline. If I'm going to obey his word, that's me seeking him at the foundational level. I mean, it's more than, you know, anything we do that's in, in um, alignment with the commands of scripture is humility. Yeah. It's me saying, I don't have the answers. I literally have no, that's why we've been confessing even during fasting. My flesh is not qualified to govern my future. That's a great. It's not qualified. It doesn't have the knowledge, the wisdom, yeah. the foreknowledge. But God knows all things and gave me commands to keep me in success. And I love it. Uh, would you read, what, you got the NASB? Uh, would you read um, Isaiah 48, 17? Is that the NS, NASB you got there? Yeah. That's yeah. not the 1611 King James? It's not. This is the New American. Yeah. 48. It's not the one Jesus used, but we'll, I'm just kidding for those of you that don't know. You know, know I think about. it's good in Hebrews, uh, in Hebrews 11 too. If we are not seeing rewards... It's a, it's a symptom, uh, it's a symptom that we haven't been seeking him like we should. So I use like easy and light, you know, in Matthew 11, I use these as symptoms. It's a, it shows me, am I on the right track? Am I actually utilizing the yoke of Christ or am I utilizing Brian's yoke? Right. You know, am I seeing the rewards of God? It helps me. 17. And I think it's scripturally safe to say on this broadcast that if you're not obeying the word of God, then you're not, number one, you're not actively seeking God, but number two, uh, it's pretty impossible to be on fire for God if you're not obeying his word. Yes. I don't think you can be on fire for God and not obey his word. That's not how it works. His word, by the way, is the fuel for the fire. Yes. It's the fuel for the fire. Amen. Isaiah 48, 17, thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, I am the Lord, your God, who teaches you to profit, who leads you in the way you should go. So you understand, God does not try to lead you from his word. And by the way, thank you to Andrew uh, for asking what some would call the hard questions, um, because there's so much debate about that in the body of Christ. But it's important that people hear those things. And it's important that people hear those answers because let me tell you, if Andrew, if I had a nickel for every person that asked me along those lines about the sovereign choice of God and God, you know, putting people through issues and problems, I, I you know, I'd be a, a multi-nickelaire. Anyway, um, there, there needs to be understanding about it. And so I appreciate him answering that question uh, or asking that question. But I, what he's saying here in Isaiah 48, 17 is interesting, isn't it? Because the Bible says that he is the one who teaches us to profit and leads us in the way we should go. So it's, it's really good for us. um, It's really good for us to know and understand that God never tries to give us instructions or commands to manipulate us. 
Yes. He's not a puppet master in heaven that just wants everybody conformed. It, what he is, is a loving heavenly father. Yes. And a loving heavenly father gives you instructions so that you will be in a place of blessing. I want my children to obey my word because I know better than they do. You know, my daughter who's six does not have the wisdom I have at 38. Understand? So I'm not going to, I'm not going to say, well, you know what? I know you, I, I have just faith that you're going to figure everything out. I'm not going to tell you anything. No, that would be a father that didn't care about the success of his children. I want them to hear my instruction, especially at a young age, so they don't hurt themselves. When I say, hey, hey, don't run out in the road. Get back here and hold my hand as we cross. Well, I'm not saying that because I'm a manipulative, controlling father that needs to always be holding my child's hand. No, it's because I know that there's reckless drivers that are just whipping through parking lots, even though they shouldn't be. And I'm guarding her from damage. Yeah. I'm guarding her from potential hurt by giving her an instruction out of a wisdom that I have that she doesn't have. She's not lived long enough to understand the irresponsibility of drivers in parking lots and seeing people whip around and smash cars that are parked and hit people that are pedestrians. She may not have seen or understand or know that. I do though. So I give her an instruction based on my knowledge that she doesn't have that will keep her from destruction. And that's what God does. He doesn't just have knowledge you don't have. He has eternal knowledge. Yes. He has eternal knowledge. And when he gives us instructions from his written word, you understand he's keeping you, number one, from destruction. But look, number two, he's leading you in the way you should go and teaching you to profit or increase. And that's very important. He loves you enough to give you an instruction manual into blessing. Yeah. Yeah, he'll, he'll show us what we need to do. We, just, we really need to seek him first so that we will hear from him oh, yeah. and not bring a bias into it towards him. You know, I think in Andrew's question, which is a great question, I don't know if you saw it, but he said, man, I need miracle word you. Yeah. <laughs> he, Absolutely. Uh, but I think one of the things, and I think we know this, but many times it's overlooked, is just because I, I think Job is a good example of what I'm about to say as well. Just because we see a story in the Bible and we see who is and who will be a person of God doesn't mean that just because the Holy Spirit told the story of what they did, yeah. everything they did was correct. Yeah. It shows God's hand even if they miss it. Sure. You know? And it shows you how much God loves people. Yes. That even in a place like Job's a great example because he, you know, scholars even debate on what type of a covenant he may have had at the time. You know, you, I've heard people that don't understand the Bible say, well, he was, Job is just a picture of people who didn't have a covenant with God. Well, there's never been anyone on the earth in history that didn't have a covenant with God. I mean, there's always been, a, what I mean is, there've been people that didn't have a covenant with God, but there's never been a time where there was no covenant on the earth. From Adam, there yes. was covenant. Yeah. You understand? So, I mean, there's no way Job lived and there was not a covenant. And a proof that he was in covenant with God is that he gave animal blood sacrifices on a daily basis. No one does that unless they're in covenant with God. Yeah. Covenant sacrifices prove a covenant. And so Job's life is not a picture of someone who didn't have covenant. It is a picture of someone who didn't have as good of a covenant as we do. Yes. But he had a covenant. And he was, all, the Bible called him a perfect and upright man. And so you, you can't be that without a relationship with God. <laughs> and so Job, really, people look at his life and say, see, he really, his suffering was very, very short compared to his life. Yes. What did they say? It's like, it's about 18 months of his life. At most two years. As and well, what did he scholars. live to be? Do you, do you remember? I don't know Over a hundred. 
Yeah. Over 100 years old. So you, if you look at Job, less than two years of his life were spent in that issue, which then he by himself says in Scripture, the thing that I greatly feared has come upon me. Yeah. Fear opened the door to the devil and uh, literally uh, broke the hedge of protection around his life. And at the end, after blaming God and all this stuff for his troubles, at the end, after being rebuked by a man that God put in his life and then God rebuking him personally for another three chapters, Job speaks up and says, you know what? I retract everything I said. I was speaking about stuff I had no idea about. <laughs> I had no idea. And so understand what the picture of Job is this, is that even after the attack of the devil against his life, at the end, God gave him double what he had before. Yeah. Double. Yeah. Do you realize the only thing God didn't give him double of was his wife? Just one. <laughs> One's enough for any man. <laughs> Hope there's Mormons picture, watching this. Picture. <laughs> Are there any Mormons watching today? Salt Lake City. Um, yeah, there was some great questions up there too. And yeah. <laughs> Who did we miss? Did we miss anybody? Uh, Nina said, "For an ex-Baptist, can you define on fire for God?" Of course I can. Um, God's not responsible, by the way, for your hunger. And I guess a, a more clear way to put it, Nina, uh, for an ex-Baptist. Um, you will find Christians that are not hungry for, for the things of God and Christians who are hungry for the things of God. Now, you could, as a Baptist, and she said she's an ex-Baptist, you could, as a Baptist, say, well, the ones who aren't hungry for God, the ones who aren't doing His will, are ones who were never truly saved in the first place. And so they're just carnal because they, you know, it was all head knowledge. It was an acknowledgement with their actions, but they didn't truly believe in their heart. Uh, that Jesus is Lord, God raised, God raised him from the dead. So they were never f saved in the first place. Well, I don't believe that, obviously. No Pentecostal believes that. Um, so what I'm saying is, God's not responsible for any believer's hunger level. Yeah. And in fact, Dr. John G. Lake, who was probably one of the greatest men of God of the previous couple centuries, he said that if he could impart any quality to believers across the board, it would be spiritual hunger. Wow. And here's a man that knew about signs, wonders, and miracles, saw over 100,000 documented miracles in 10 years in Spokane, Spokane, Washington, in his healing rooms, went to South Africa during the time of the bubonic plague and was burying the dead, never caught the plague, healed people of the plague, cancerous, yeah. I mean, like all kinds of miracles. He had all this revelation on the word and literally by the end of his life said, if I could impute uh, any quality to believers, it would be spiritual hunger. It'd be spiritual hunger because he understood that it is hunger that brings the blessings of God. Yes. Your hunger. What does the Bible say in Matthew 5, 5? Blessed are they which do, or Matthew 5, 6. Blessed are they which do hunger and, and thirst, thirst after righteousness. They shall be filled. Yeah. So if you're not hungry, you're not going to be filled. And so the people that aren't filled with the goodness of God, and that's why I'm kind of defining it uh, for Nina, uh, the people that are blessed by God, there he is. There's the man. Pastor Allen. Pastor Allen. Listen, I don't know if Pastor Allen heard this. Did you hear Pastor Brian read that verse out of the, he, it wasn't the 1611. This man <laughs> read out of the NASB on the air, live on the air. Crazy. He's not using the Bible Jesus used between me and you. Uh, listen, I love Pastor Allen video. He's got a great book he just released and called Encounter. It's called Encounter. Phenomenal book. He was with us here at Kickstart. He's preaching a revival in Georgia right now. Powerful man of God. I just had one of the best conversations of my life. Pastor Brian was there for it. I love getting around the men of God that are so uh, knowledgeable, smart, wise. 
We had a blast. We sat here and talking it about the Word of God, Bible translation. I cannot wait uh, to get to be able to talk to him further. He's he's a wonderful man of God. Uh, but answering these questions, uh, Nina, to say on fire for God, I would say it would be to to have someone who's hungry for the things of God. And if you're hungry, you'll be filled. Why? Because hunger makes you go after something. Yeah. Hunger makes you move. Hunger makes you take action. And so that's to be more clear about being on fire, quote unquote, people that have built hunger for the things of God and are being filled. Why do you think that there's Christians at so many different levels in the body of Christ? How is it that some Christians seem to be on cloud nine, other Christians seem to be struggling just to make it? Yeah. It's because God's favor, his blessing, his filling is not automatic. It's based upon your dedication level to the kingdom of God. That's why we're talking about step one's got to be, where's my dedication at? That's yeah. the first question you got to ask yourself. Where's my dedication at? Where's my dedication? Might be the only one we get to today. Yeah. But literally, it's the most important one that I can see in my yeah. scripture is that God blessed people who had hunger for him. And even in the New Testament, he said, you've got to diligently seek me. Nobody diligently uh, seeks God if they're not hungry for him. Yes. You know, nobody, you know, you know, it's funny. Spiritual hunger will make you not eat in the natural. Yes. Spiritual absolutely. hunger will make you fast. Yeah. People that are hungry for God, they'll fast natural food and pray. Yes. Why? Hunger makes you take action. Yes. It just does. There's no way around it. There's, uh, I love what Pastor Allen's saying, hunger prophesies fulfillment. Yes. Hunger prophesies fulfillment. I will have what God said I have. I'm so hungry for it. I'm going to take action to go get it. I'm going to obey his word. I'm going to step out in faith. I'm going to do what it takes, what it takes yeah. to get what God said is mine. Yeah. And it takes a hunger. You know, hunger is always the prerequisite for dedication. Yeah. You look at an athlete that wants to be a champion. We just finished the Super Bowl last night. You look at an athlete that wants to be a champion. They cannot be lackadaisical about their training re uh, regimen because they have a hunger for being a champion. So if they are, guess what they're going to do? They're going to wake up earlier than everybody else. They're going to train harder than everybody else. They're going to watch more game film than anybody else. I mean, they're just going to go after it. The, some of the greatest guys that they said in the NBA ever were the ones that were still in the gym working when everybody else went out. Yep. I saw a picture of Kobe last week yep. because he's, he's all over the news and everything. 4 a.m. is the time when he had a broke arm. He's sitting there shooting shots at 4 a.m. with his other arm. It's insane. Yeah, hunger. Hunger makes you take action, and it's actions of dedication. Yeah. Actions of dedication. It makes you, when you have a clear goal in mind, I want what God's word promised me. I'm not going to lay back and say, well, he'll just drop it on my, he'll drop it on my lap one day. Those people will never get it. They'll never get it because that's not how blessing comes. It comes by you seeking after God and diligently wanting what he has in his word. And so the question, and I would say this is, this is one of the main ones and we may have to end here today, but literally we've got to have a hunger and a dedication. Yes. Where's my hunger? Where's my a dedication. Thank you, Julie, for sowing a seed. We appreciate that. Yeah. And so let me just say, if I, if you did, if you don't, if we never even move on to any of these other things to go in depth on them, know how important this is. When I was kind of joking at the beginning and you with, you know, well, we're just getting ready to step into a season of favor. <laughs> let me tell you how to step into a never ending season yes. of favor. Never stop being hungry for God. 
Never stop being thirsty for his presence. Never stop dedicating yourself. I guess we could summarize it the best way by, you brought this up, Jesus speaking to his mother. Yeah. And her ignoring what he said in John 2, turning to the <laughs> servants and saying, good. whatever he says unto you, do it. Yeah. That right there would be the key to staying in the favor of God for the rest of your life. Whatever he says unto you, do it. Yes. If you can find it, hear me, if you can find it in this Bible, whatever he says unto you, do it. If you find something that you're not doing, begin to do it immediately. Don't debate it. Yes. Sir, well, I just don't know. If, uh, no, do it. Whatever he says unto you, Every one of these words in this Bible are breathed out of the mouth of God, 2 Timothy 3.16. They're divinely inspired by God, and it is from the Holy Ghost to you. If it wasn't to you, we wouldn't have it. And so understand, it's so important that we go after what the Word of God says. I think it's important as we're talking about hunger too, to not go along with the average thinking towards hunger. That's great. Uh, because a lot of times we think, we think hunger is, okay, I need to go pick up something in town. I'm hungry to have something to go pick up. And it becomes so normal to us. But think about it this way. If God is as big as the Bible talks about him being, if he's that great, that big, that loving, that powerful, how hungry should we be for our fellowship and relationship with him to go after his things? And yes. the Bible defines it like in the verse you talked about, Matthew 5, 6. The Bible defines that when you break that word down, it doesn't mean just like, okay, it's time to eat. No, it means crave. It means go after in um, Psalms, the verse I was talking about where it talks about thirsting after him. Mm -hmm. It says, Seek greedily yeah. like a predator after a prey. That's great. Uh, crave the things of God. Go after him. Crave him because you'll be filled, but you need to do it biblically. It, be hungry biblically, yep. which means I don't just have this natural, fleshly, I have a desire. No, it's a craving of yep. the things of God. That's when things really break open. No question about that. I mean, there's no question about it. You know, the spiritual, uh, this is a very funny thing to think about, but spiritual hunger, this is the only arena in life where you can eat and eat and eat and it makes you more hungry. Yes, yes. It's the only place where you can eat, 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 and then still want much, much more when you're done. There's a verse to kickstart that too. Do you like that? Like Hashtag kickstart. Um, <laughs> there's a verse, Proverbs 16.3. And it says this, and I've utilized this because I've had moments where I wasn't hungry. And, and it says in the King James, Pastor Allen, uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's bad. It says, commit your works Amen. that your thoughts might be established. In other Good. words, your thoughts, you know, I've recognized, man, I just don't want to do this right yeah. now. My thoughts are off base, mm -hmm. but I knew if I'll just commit my works to fellowship, to the word, to prayer, to worship of God, if I'll commit my works, my thoughts will come into line. And uh, it's, I love the way it says that. Um, I think a great thing to put in the comments section right now would be, what, uh, based on what he's talking about, would be this. Immaturity acts on feeling. Maturity mm -hmm. acts on principle. Yeah. Immaturity acts on feeling. 
maturity acts on principle. And purpose. Yeah, and I know that I should be studying the Word, so I'm going to study the Word. My flesh doesn't feel like studying the Word. It doesn't matter. Flesh isn't qualified to govern my future. Amen. I know Amen. I should. Amen. I, I know. I, look up in here. Uh, I, know, I know I should be tithing and giving, so I'll be tithing and giving. Yeah. Well, my flesh doesn't want to. It doesn't matter. I know I should be praying and fasting, so I'll be praying and fasting. Yes. I, because I'm mature, I'm choosing to be mature, I'm going to live off what the principle says I should do and not on what I feel to do. Your flesh will lie to you. It'll deceive you into destruction. Yeah. It'll deceive you. I'm not making, we would never, <laughs> ever do that. No, no. Never. Listen, Pastor Allen's being funny. <laughs> Listen, I told him when he left, I said, Pastor Allen is so intelligent in the word. His son took a video of the entire conversation we had about Bible translations. I said, I'm, I'm nervous for this video to go up on YouTube because it's going to say pastor owns heretical evangelist. <laughs> that's what's going to happen. It's going to, in fact, Evan, if you're watching, put that tag in the description. <laughs> pastor owns heretical evangelist. Um, but it's true. It's, exa it's, it's exactly true. Principle. Principle is the key. Immaturity acts on feelings. Maturity acts on principle. Yeah. And, and you can't get around it. You just can't get around it. Uh, Paul was irritated at people that wouldn't live like that. Yeah. He said, I'm, I'm sitting here giving my life for this. I'm trying to give you guys the meat of the word. And you're so immature that I have to keep giving you the milk. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. Yeah. He said, listen, I wish you would. Can we move beyond the, the, the elementary teachings of the gospel and salvation? Can we go to the deeper things? I mean, can we finally move on to the deeper things of the word? I mean, he's irritated at these people. You know, how long are you going to stay immature? How long are you going to let crazy stuff go on in your congregation? How long are you going to let guys sleep with their stepmothers and brag about it in the congregation? Kick him out of the church and turn him over to the devil for the destruction of his soul. He won't listen to correction or commands. And so Paul's irritated. If you think Paul was just laughing and giggling as he's writing to the Corinthian church, you don't understand the issues they had. And he had to write them twice. And if you study the, uh, the scripture, you'll see that he wrote them another time that we don't have in scripture. He wrote them a, a, a third time. There was a third letter. So he's having to deal with these people because they're yeah. immature. And it's ticking him off. It's like, hurry up, would you? And, and let's get into maturity, which shows you, watch this, which shows you Paul was actually justified in rebuking them and, and speaking harshly to build their maturity because it shows you that People can control their maturity level. Sure. Well, he says that he's given us everything. He's granted to us everything pertaining to life, life and godliness. And godliness. That's so right. We have everything we need once we're born again. Yes. We have everything we need to receive the fullness of the Holy Ghost and walk godliness out. That's good. If we're not walking godliness out, then we're saying that his word is not true. And that's not the case. Absolutely. I think a great point here too is immaturity acts on feelings. Maturity acts on principle, but it does it intentionally. Yep. In other words, I did a series called Options. Yeah. And I because I was revealing how the devil acts and how the devil gets us off track and and leads us to the place where we feel like we're in a season outside of God's blessing mm -hmm. is and this is what he does. 
As long as, as you allow options in your life to do the wrong things or the ungodly things or the immature things, the devil will keep pressing those buttons. No question. He'll, he'll, he'll do it every time. And it's easy for him to set up people that allow ungodly options in their life. I don't, I don't choose whether or not I'm going to be here on Sunday morning. Right. It's not just because I'm the pastor. Before I was a pastor, <laughs> yeah. you know, before I was a pastor, I don't miss. Mm-mm. I don't miss. I don't, I don't have a choice. I leave no option. God's given me an option. If you love me, keep my commandments. He's given me an option to not follow his commandments. Now, but in love, I choose to not give myself that option. Right. I do not receive that as an option because godliness says otherwise. That's good. And as long as you leave an option there, it's always going to be a question. It's always going to be a temptation. That's right. And it, It's easy when you remove those temptations because you remove the options. Just get get settled, get intentional and purposed on that. I like what Pastor Allen said is Jesus taught that hunger can do what a lifetime of study never will. Man. It's a great quote. Yeah. If you didn't see that on YouTube, you should put it in the comments. Hunger can do what a lifetime of study never will. That's Matthew 5, 6 he's referencing. Blessed are they which hunger and thirst after righteousness for they shall be filled. They shall be filled. In fact, the Bible uh, even speaks to people that are uh, always studying but never doing it under the leading of the Holy Spirit. And uh, much learning you know, yes. causes you to end up to come to a place where you see beyond, in a bad way, the spiritual things that God wants to do. And you literally, by much learning, you, you, you really discount the supernatural aspect. I've seen that happen to people that go to seminary. I've, I've watched that go to people they were on fire for. They went to Bible school, yes. went to some liberal seminary. Some dead professor taught them uh, that, you know, you can't even believe that the Bible's inspired. There's, there's books that shouldn't even be in the Bible. So they went in on fire and hungry for the things of God and came up in much learning, caused them to miss out on what the Spirit of God wants to do with their ministry and life. Yeah, It's a sad thing when you die from getting around uh, people that are already dead. <laughs> um, we'll give you the other two quickly. Number one, not just where's my dedication, but where's my love is number two. Where's my love? Love makes you take action. Um, and the Bible says that love is the thing that qualifies you for the manifestations of Christ. John 14, 21, Jesus said, those who have my commandments and obey them, it is he that loves me. And because he loves me, he'll be loved by my father and I will love him and I'll manifest myself to him. That is John 14, 21. Well, and also said these three abide, I believe in Corinthians, where it says faith, hope, and love. Yes. And in other words, love is one of the three eternal things that will abide, that will give you a foundation. And the greatest of these is love. That's right. And if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Mm -hmm. If your motivation is not love for God and love for Jesus, that motivation is in question because it can fall away. Uh, we had that, we had a leadership meeting one time and the Lord said, why do you do, he told me to ask my leaders. I didn't know the answer at the moment. He, he said, why do you do what you do? And they came up with some great questions, uh, great answers to it. But then the Lord said, what happens to that why 
when you're on the way to church and have an argument with your spouse. Yeah. Because it falls away. If it's not motivated by love, it's not eternal. Uh, what That's happens good. to all of these, you have to not just teach the principles for, for why to do this in a worldly logic kind of way. You got to say, when you write the eternal law of love on your heart and teach uh, other people to get that love written on their heart, that love will abide and write and tell them the right things to do in the right moment through the Holy Ghost. That's excellent. And then number three, who are we around? That will often determine your hunger level. Often. Because you understand if yeah. you hang out with people that aren't hungry for the things of God, they've already proven statistically that you'll become the average of the five people you hang around the most without question. So, you know, Everything we pick up, our colloquialisms, uh, the things we say, how we act, you know, it's, it's, yeah. it's just like even like obesity. Obesity is not necessarily genetic. Most people that are morbidly obese, it's because of something, it's, tra it's their training as they grew up. Well, this is how we've always eaten. This is what we always eat for breakfast. This is what we order when we go out to fast food restaurants. And it's a trained thing. It's something we learn from our parents and grandparents. Yeah. Well, we always start the day with, you know, four plates of biscuits and gravy and uh, two glasses of orange juice. And it's just how we eat our breakfast. That's how the shuttles worst do it. <laughs> and as a result, it's not, a, it's not genetic. It's something that's learned behavior. And so what ends up happening is it just becomes my normal, becomes my dedication to my own life. Yeah. I continue in it. And as I continue in it, it has adverse effects in my body. Yeah. It didn't come through my bloodline. It came through learned behaviors that became habits. And so what's happening is that I have to learn to break negative things that have been inherently drawn out of my environment and line myself up with the word of God instead. Yeah. If I got people in my life that literally aren't hungry for the things of God, I will end up being not hungry That's for the right. things of God. I, I, no, I don't care what you say. I will end up being not hungry for the things of God. And so you have to change your relationships. Guard them. Guard them. Uh, what is it? Proverbs 27, 17. As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. Amen. If I'm a blade, if I'm a blade, I don't need friends that are all dull rocks that if every time I hit my blade off of them, I'm just getting more and more dull. Every right. time more and more dull. I need friends that are steel that when I rub up against them, it they sharpens sharpen, my blade yeah. every single time. And so, and Matt's asking the question, what if it's your family? You can't stop loving your family and you don't stop loving people, period. But one of the things that I do, if I got unsaved family members uh, that, are, that are trying to hold me back or literally that just mock me going to church, believe in speaking in tongues and tithing and giving and believing in divine healing, God bless you, I love you, yeah. but I'm not gonna spend all my time with you because you mock the thing that I consider to be the most important in my life. It's my, my, my one true love. You think about the fact that, it, what if people did that to your wife? That every time you were around your friends, they mocked your wife, talked about how stupid she is, how she's not pretty. You know, you'd stop hanging with those people right. after probably pummeling them <laughs> if you're not mature. Well, what is it? You can't do that with people. Do the same thing about your God or your Holy Spirit. Yeah. You know, we're talking about three questions on uh, how to stay on fire, too, and who we hang around. There's a classic story that I like a lot. 
There's a guy who tells the story of a pastor. He's got a guy who hadn't been to church in a while. The Lord tells him to go visit him. He goes to his house. The guy's sitting there. He walks in. They don't really say much to anything. The guy's got a fire there. The pastor goes over with the tongs, pulls the coal out of the fire, sets it on the hearth. Within a few minutes, uh, the fire in that coal goes completely down. It turns black. Excellent. He walks over there, grabs the coal, sticks it back into the fire around the other coals, and that coal lights back up again. And the other guy goes, it's a great message, Pastor. I'll see you on Sunday. That's awesome. <laughs> Have you ever heard that? No, that's great. Yeah. It, we really need good. to be around people who will light us up, who are carrying the fire for themselves, that hunger, that desire. We've got to be around those people. Mm -hmm. It keeps us lit up, too. No question about it. Yeah. And we try to give you fuel every single day, Monday through Friday, here on the broadcast. That's why we do it. That's why I bring myself, my wife, our friends of ours that are here. Why? To build your faith. We want you to have something... Um, that's going to continually increase you. Yes. We want you to have an outlet that you can come on every morning and not have to wonder, where do I have to go to get some faith-filled teaching? We want to be people that you hang around yes. every day, yeah. uh, whether you're on Facebook, YouTube, uh, Periscope, or listening on the podcast, that you can literally hang with us every day for an hour or so and have your faith built. Why? It's that important to be around the Word of God. It's that important to be around teaching that'll build your faith Absolutely. And, and keep it. If you're just depending on Sunday morning only to get you through your life, you can't do that. You cannot do that. Thank God for, where, for your church, for where you go. You should be as faithful as you can. Every time their doors are open, you need to be at the services. That's right. Don't be one of those people that goes once, you know, the statistic now, the average Christian attends one out of four Sundays a month. And don't be that person. That's total immaturity. Total immaturity. Let me tell you, when I was dating my wife and uh, she worked and I worked, I don't care. She got off work. I got off work. I didn't even go home to change clothes. Yeah. I, whatever I was wearing at work that day, <laughs> That's right. I went straight to where she was. And I didn't want to miss one minute with her. That's right. Not one. I stayed with her as late as her parents would allow me to hang out on the couch at the house until it was time for me to go home and get ready for work again in the morning. I would spend as much time I never thought to myself, good God, I wish she'd shut up. I got to get out of here. I got things to do. Taco Bell's going to close soon. I, you know, no, I wanted to be where she was because I loved her. Yeah. I wanted to be where she was as long as I could be and never getting away. Because when you have a love, you don't try, you're not trying to look for ways to get apart. You're trying to look for ways to get together. Yeah, and that's, that's the key. That's right. That's right. If you love the Lord, come to his house. If you love the Lord, talk yeah. to him. If you love the Lord, give him gifts. If you love the Lord, reach out and touch him. You know, you can even read the book, The Five Love Languages, Gary Chapman. Yeah. All five of those things are how God interacts with his children and how we interact with him. That's awesome. Did you ever yeah. think about that? I have it. Every one of the five. Personal touch. Yeah. God wants to touch you every single day. You want to reach out and touch him. Yeah. Uh, words of affirmation. That's praise. Yeah. That's praise. I praise him because I love him for no other reason. Yeah. I love him. Giving of gifts. We give to the Lord. He gives to us. That's right. You go right down the uh, um, quality, time. quality time. I want to be in his house. Yep. I don't want to be out of his presence. I want to be in his presence. Acts you go through service. acts of service. I'll, I'll work for the Lord. I'll do, I'll do the Great Commission. I'll do what he wants me yeah. to do. I'll, acts of service is me. All five of the love languages, because God's the one who created love, he's the one who created and defined those things. He interacts with us. We interact with him. All those things can be put together in that way. Amen. It's powerful. I mean, God wants us to, to uh, 
Giovanna said, is that even considered uh, Christian one Sunday a month? <laughs> it's, a, it's a valid question. It's a valid question. I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that you can't be saved if you attend less, uh, more than, don't, don't attend more than once a month. We know what salvation's based on, but you start to wonder how much people love the Lord if they don't even want to be in his presence. Yeah. And, yeah. The, and by the way, uh, I, it, it's true. That's a great question. It is yeah. because, because it's not just something we do out of tradition. It's a command in scripture. Yeah. Hebrews 10, 25, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together as is the custom of some, but as you see the day of the Lord approaching, gather all the more, not all the less, all the more. Yeah. So that's a command. That's not a suggestion. So if people say, you know what? I don't care what the Bible says. I'm not going to gather all the more. I'm not going to go to church. Well, you're defying a command of scripture. If you love me, keep, you'll keep my commandments. That's right. You're showing that he's not Lord. You're showing that you don't have love in that area towards it. You're showing that. That's True. the fruit of it. Absolutely right. That's, uh, Danny, Danny Gordon said something. He said, I learned that when he was talking about getting away and being around uh, the, the right people. Yeah. He said, I learned that lesson not too long ago. Yeah, I understand that, Danny. I've done the same thing. I, th I think almost everybody has. But you are on the right track, man. God's mm -hmm. got great plans and you're doing the right thing. He was here all week for Praise God. That's and it, it, it took effort for him to get yeah. here, I know. So, Praise God. Yeah. Thank you, Danny. We love you. Listen, I'm telling you, as we cross over into this new month of February... This, you know, you know me, if you've been around here long enough, I'm not one of these guys that sits around and talks about a season. If it, we, now that we're in February, there's a season of favorite. No, but if you've not been doing the things we're talking about, if you let January go by and you were not dedicating yourself and you were not jumping into the things of God, if you weren't building your hunger, like literally going after and building your <laughs> hunger, <laughs> Tiffany wants it for the, a brotherly Good post brotherly. for the picture. Uh, if you weren't building your hunger throughout January, start now. Start now. Yeah. Start now. Make sure February is the greatest month you've ever had up to this point till March hits. By jumping in with new yes. dedication, new hunger. Yeah. Thank you, Britt. God bless you. Um, and so we want to encourage you. Britt's already leading the way. Others have done so now. We want to encourage you to sow a seed today. First broadcast of the month. We want to encourage you to sow a seed by faith financially today. Believe for God to bless you, not only spiritually, but financially. Yeah. February be the best month you've ever had in business. Your income will increase. What God's doing in your life will increase. You'll have the resources you need to do what God's called you to do. And so here's how you can do it. If you'd like to sow your seed today, there's multiple ways that you can sow and get involved. Uh, number one, if you're on Periscope or Facebook, you can use hashtag donate to sow your seed. Um, if you're one of those that loves to use a digital app, how quick it is um, and, and everything to sew, we've got PayPal, Cash App, and Venmo. Uh, Cash App and Venmo are the same username, MWGive. You can see it on the screen. Uh, PayPal email address is there on the screen as well, info at miracleword.com. Then, of course, you can always, thank you, Barrett, you can always go to miracleword.com and sow a one-time seed. Thank you, Pastor Brian. Uh, so a one-time seed, or you can partner with us uh, by clicking on the partner button, filling out the form, and you can stand with us on a monthly basis. Let me encourage you to do that. We have people all over the world that are partnering with us on a monthly basis, believing for God to shake a generation with the fire of heaven before Jesus comes back. And so what we ask people to do at a minimum is, could you stand with us at $85 a month? That's $1,000 a year. Believing many are doing more. We have people standing at 200, 300, 400 a month, some at Glory 500 a month, believing God for increase. 
And so I want you to pray and ask the Lord, am I to be one of those that's going to stand with Miracle Word Ministries? Ted and Carolyn, as they push the gospel around the world, see signs, wonders, miracles, and watch people being delivered by God's power. If that's you, then go to miracleword.com and click on that partner button and join us today. And we say thank you to everybody that's doing that. And uh, we love you very much. Tiffany said, can I please get a, uh, a brotherly pose that she can use? She wants to be able to use this. Let's scoot in a little closer and just... Was I supposed to look at the camera? Did I look disinterested? Did I look disinterested? Oh, Pastor Steve, thank you very much. That's very, very kind of you to say that. It's Pastor Steve Lee in, in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And um, thank you so much he for saying that. It's a that. privilege to partner with you. And I want to say as a pastor, uh, Nicole and I have watched you guys around the world now for years and watched the gospel spread because of your ministry. It blesses us to partner with you. It's good you. ground. And uh, it's, it's one of the things that we are honored to be a part of what you are up to. Thank you we very really, much. We really are. I appreciate you saying that. I really, really do. We love you guys so much. Listen, I'm getting ready to go to Virginia Beach. It was such a blessing to uh, be able to hang with Pastor Brian and Nicole all week here in Albemarle, yeah, North Carolina. Amen. Boomerang Church. God's blessing them here. God's increasing them. Even this building we're sitting in today is a miracle that God blessed them with. It's wonderful. And uh, so I want to say I love you. Thank you, Pastor Allen, for saying that. And uh, Pastor Allen and, and his church sowed largely uh, this week. We love and thank you uh, for doing that. We appreciate you. Love that man of God. Uh, praying that your, your revival in Georgia is just blowing up and uh, God's doing big things. We love you and Evan and uh, Tara as well. We love your whole family. Um, thanks guys for hanging with us today. I'll be back again tomorrow morning, 10.30 a.m. from Virginia Beach, Virginia. And uh, look forward to seeing you. If you didn't get a chance to do it yet, take a minute, share it before we go off the air. And thank you to everybody that's sowing seeds. We appreciate you. We love you. Amen. Thank you for being Amen. on the show. And thanks for having us here at, at Boomerang awesome. this week. We love you guys. All the services, by the way, are archived on Facebook and YouTube. Yeah. You can go back and watch any of the revival services from this week. We had a, a phenomenal time. We love you guys. Have a blessed day. And uh, we'll talk to you again in the morning. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.